Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator, Cohen, and DePrisco, the Phoenix Tube Company, Pims Incorporated, fueling brand performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who was the 95th overall pick of the New York Rangers in the 2000 NHL Entry Draft. He played close to 900 games in the NHL for the New York Rangers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Minnesota Wild, Toronto Maple Leafs, Buffalo Sabres, Florida Panthers, Montreal Canadiens, Tampa Bay Lightning, San Jose Sharks, and Boston Bruins. He won the Bill Masterson Trophy in the 2013-14 season. The trophy is awarded annually to the National Hockey League player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. That season, his goal in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final was the only goal scored in that game. It set the Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's currently an analyst for ESPN. He's also the founder and host of Smash Fest, a charity ping-pong tournament benefiting the Katie Moore Foundation and the Steve Moore Foundation, which takes place this Thursday in Connecticut. It is always a thrill to welcome him back here to Sports Talk New York, the one and only Dominic Moore. Welcome, Dominic. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, always our pleasure. You know that. You know, and I, and I always look forward to Smash Fest even more. I don't have to get on a plane this year to go see it. So that, that's great. And before we talk about one of my favorite charity events of the year, let's talk a little bit about your career. You were kind enough to be part of Howie Carpenter in my book, You Never Forget Your First, a collection of New York Rangers first, and shared some great stories, one of which was how you met your childhood idol, Doug Gilmore. Can you share that story with our listeners? <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it, it's amazing how it happened. I uh, I grew up in Toronto, and I went to a, a school downtown where we had a rink, um, you know, as part of the school grounds, and we we had the, the Leafs that would come there every once in a while, usually when they had events at Maple Leaf Gardens. This was before it was the Scotiabank Arena. And so sometimes we'd have the Leafs in there. This particular case, it was the lockout year, and some of the players were skating, Um and it was 94 or 90, whatever, uh, 95 lockout, I think, was the year that, that it was. So I had gotten wind that, that Dougie Gilmore was skating in there. And so I, between classes, I just, I just sauntered over there. And here I am in my little school uniform. And I go into this, this dressing room, and there was a huge scrum of media talking to, to Gilmore. And... I just kind of sit there in the in the back, and I'm t- I'm tiny. I'm in ninth grade. I'm just a little shrimp of a human. And uh, and lo and behold, one of the media members was this guy Jim McKenney, who was a former Maple Leaf himself, who had worked for a, a channel called City TV. And he had he would do kind of a community thing every week where he would name an athlete of the week. And when I was playing, you know, minor peewee hockey or whatever it was. Uh, he had picked me for the athlete of the week a few weeks before. And so he knew I was, a, I was obsessed with Doug Gilmore. And so when the media scrum ended, he was gracious enough to bring me over and introduce me to Doug. And it, it was literally like meeting Jesus in the flesh. It was just like uh, unbelievable for me at, at that time in my life. I completely idolized uh, Doug Gilmore and, and Doug was nice enough to, to give me a stick. It's still, that stick is still on my wall in my parents' house uh, in Thornhill, Ontario. And he signed it. And 
So it was an extremely memorable day. That's so cool. I remember you telling me how you ran to your garage and got like the four inch nails and put it up on your yeah, wall. Exactly, um, exactly. So, so you, you played two years, uh, two seasons in the Ontario Junior Hockey League for the Aurora Tigers. Your coach in your first year was former NHL defenseman Brad Selwood, who a few years earlier had coached your brother Steve when he played for the Thornwood Islanders. How much did that connection help you through that first season? Uh, you know, Brad Selwood, one of the best coaches I ever played for at any level. He just was a, a guy that was just so in tune with the players, um, cared about them first and foremost as people. Um, and he, he always let that shine through first, you know, as much as he wanted to to win games and uh, have a successful team, which he inevitably did. He was a very successful junior coach for a very, very long time. Uh, but I think it always started with his priority, which was he cared about his guys. And he had been there as a player um, and was, was coaching for a reason. He wanted to, he wanted to make a positive impact on, on these players. And I was very fortunate uh, to play for him. Uh, and again, th- those junior years, the ones before you get, you know, recruited to college, they're so, so crucial for your development, so crucial for your future uh, and I was in good hands with, with Brad Selwood. So after that, you move on to play for the Harvard Crimson team in the NCAA's ECAC Hockey Conference, along with your two brothers, Mark and Steve. 99-2000 season, you joined both your older brothers, marking the first brother trio in school history to play at the same time. What's that experience like for you, being able to play at that level with your brothers? Yeah, well, I'll start with what the experience was like for my parents. Uh, So having driven us around Ontario, uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles for tournaments and all over the place, uh, three separate games sometimes at the same time and for many, many years, being for them to be able to watch one game and three, see all of their sons play at the same time, I think was a pretty special year for them. Uh, for me, as the youngest of the three and the freshmen, uh, it certainly helped having them uh, sort of, you know, paved the way for me. It, it just seemed like I was a little bit more familiar with things because I'd gone to watch them play uh, at various times and uh, certainly helped to have mentors and people that were you were close to to look up to and, and guide you in uh, a very formative time. So a uh, very special year. Uh, no doubt, to say the least. Yeah, Bob Crocker is a name a lot of NHL fans may not know, but he had a huge impact in getting you picked by the New York Rangers in the draft. What do you recall about draft day and Bob's impact? So I'm I'm gl- really happy you brought up Bob Crocker because uh, he's one of my favorite people, you know, and you're talking about the trajectory of my career. And I remember Bob coming to meet with me before I got drafted, sat down with him. You know, the interviews with the players are so important. They want to get to know you. And, and I, I remember I was still, it was, you know, midway through the third round or whatever it was. And I was sitting there at the draft and I can vividly remember looking down at the draft tables on the floor in Calgary and the Rangers were, were up and, you could see kind of the gesturing at the table and, and I could see someone look over to Bob Crocker and, and Bob kind of just he gestured and you could see him pointing at, at his head and uh, with his finger. And I think he was 
in my view, he was saying that I'm a smart player and he was kind of putting his two cents in for what it's worth to have them pick me. And, and sure enough, they announced my name right after that. So I would never have been picked by the Rangers if it wasn't for Bob Crocker. Um, and again, you talk about Brad Selwood and the kind of person he was, that's the kind of person that Bob Crocker was. So really glad you brought him up uh, to, to recognize him. If you just tuned in, we're talking to Dominic Moore on Sports Talk New York. My favorite story, I think, that you related to me for that book was about your first Rangers training camp. And you told me that you think you might have thrown your best check ever at that uh, training camp. Can you tell our audience? I don't think I do. I know I do. (laughs) Can you tell our audience who that check was on? That that was the easily the best best body check of my career hands down yeah before my career even really started yeah it was i was a you know fresh-faced uh attendee at training camp uh still in college and and we were playing the scrimmage and i i got the puck i had the puck on my stick going across the offensive blue line and i cut across the middle and you know you know the don cherries of the world always say don't do that and uh i had my head down cutting across the middle you know the, the scott stevens trolley tracks and but you know i was aware i i I knew what was around me and i saw someone lining me up uh to to finish me off and so as i saw them coming i kind of let them think that you know they had me unsuspecting and at the last minute i kind of gave them a reverse shoulder and the player went flying like like nothing i'd seen before like head like feet overhead flat on their back uh in a heap and sure enough it was messier (laughs) <laughs> and sure enough within five seconds of that uh like chris simon and you know matthew barnaby and i think one other you know uh, like renowned goon rushed me and and all three of them piled on top of me i could i looked over and glenn Sather was on the ice he was actually officiating the scrimmage and he was laughing uh and it was just the whole scene and I think even one of the, those three goons was actually on my team in the scrimmage. Um, so uh, I think the best part about it was that after the, after the scrimmage, you know, we're in the gym and, and uh, mess is there. And you know, I, I he came over and I said, look, I, I had, I had no idea it was you. And I apologized. And I said, obviously I would never, I was not intending to throw a hit like that on him. And he knew, and he, was completely understanding of the whole situation that uh, could not have been more gracious to me, fresh faced rookie. So that again, speaks to the kind of leader that he was. So your first game at MSG is interesting because it's where the photo for one of your hockey cards come from. And it's, it's an epic hockey card. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that? And uh, pardon the, can you tell us a little, you know, pardon the pun more about that? <laughs> I think you're talking about my second career game was against Colorado and uh, yeah. And another game where my parents could watch uh, two of their sons play at the same time. So my brother was playing for the abs at the time. And uh, you know, I played my first career game in Montreal uh, against the Habs and, and then we came home to MSG and played the abs. So that was a very special night uh, to be realizing your dream uh, to play in the NHL on Madison Square Garden ice for the first time and to have it be against your brother who was living out his dream uh, for a, you know, stacked avalanche team. It was, it was truly special. And the card you're talking about, 
It is actually hilarious. It, you know, the, the younger brothers are known to be a little bit feistier, right? Because they're trying to keep up, um, you know, with their whole childhood. So there's a picture of me kind of shoving my brother uh, from behind into the boards, uh, which is <laughs> a great shot. Yeah, it ends up to be your hockey guy. That's awesome. One of the special moments you get to experience as a Ranger was a stadium series at Yankee Stadium. And I remember, you know, sitting in the press box, looking down and seeing you with a glove on the field having a catch. Um, what, why was that important to you to, to seize that moment and to go out on the field to have that catch? Listen, like those games that the stadium series and those, those unique events, like they, they're among the most memorable games that you play as a player, obviously the playoff games that you play and the meaningful game sevens and conference finals and things like that are, are, are ones that stand out, but you know, when you're talking about regular season games and games you look back on with fondness, it's those unique experiences and playing at a historic, you know, place filled with ghosts and traditions like like Yankee Stadium was really special. And I just wanted to embrace that moment. So uh, Billy Southard, longtime uh, Ranger equipment manager, was nice enough to play catch with me out just out in front of the dugout and. You know, there was a bit of a delay to that game. I don't know if you remember because yeah. of the gl- the glare and the, it was dangerous for the goalies. But uh, we just enjoyed it, just just throwing the the baseball around and embracing the the ballpark vibes, and uh, it translated into the game, a memorable game, and uh, just just enjoyed every minute of those those two games that we played. Fortunately, we won both, which was nice. Yeah. While you were taking advantage of the delay to have a catch, Henrik was falling asleep and they had to wake him up when it was time to play the game. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that players do um, prior to a game is ping pong, and you've taken that to a whole new level. Smash Fest enters its ninth year. It brings NHL players and guests together for a night of ping pong and fun in support of rare cancer and, and uh, concussion research. This year's event will feature NHL players uh, such as Adam Fox, Chris Kreider, Charlie McAvoy, Colin Blackwell, Morton St. Louis, uh, Patrick Sharp, Mike Richter, Brian Boyle, and, and lots more. Tell us how this all started and how, if, even if people aren't attending, how they can help. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, ping pong has always been a part of locker room culture. There's always a table in almost every team dressing room in the league, and guys love to play. And uh, it's no different for me. When I was a rookie uh, in New York, uh, Michael Nylander was my ping pong rival. We would play for hours before and after practice. And, and, uh, lo and behold, actually my last year in the league with Toronto, my ping pong rival was William Nylander, his son. So, um, but guys love it. And, you know, I always thought it would make for a great charity event. And so what we do is we just bring players together and we bring fans to the venue and everyone you know, it's it's a ping pong themed party, essentially, uh, with all the proceeds going to concussion and rare cancer research. And, you know, it's funny, people, people have never been, they almost can't believe it when they once they've gone, they're just they, they can't fathom that they're rubbing shoulders with, you know, the players that they've watched. I mean, they, you know, they pay top dollar to go to a game and see the players on the ice and do see them do what they do best. But to, to be able to you know, put a shoulder, you know, shoulder to shoulder at the ping pong table or, or just to take a selfie, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a one of a kind event. And until you experience it, it's, as you know, uh, it's hard to explain to people. So 
We're bringing it to Stamford, Connecticut uh, for the first time uh, with all of the names that you mentioned. Uh, and it's going to be an incredible night. So, Dominic, this is A.J. Carter. I was listening to your conversation with Mark and talking all the things on ping pong. How different is a pro-am ping pong event compared to a pro-am golf event? Well, that's the thing, right? There's nothing against the golf events, but, you know, you, you, you're with a certain foursome for, you know, the whole night. And with the ping pong that we do at Smashfest, it's just one big room and everybody's in the same room. And so you get a chance to go and say hi to Kreider one minute and the next minute you're able to go and take a selfie with Fox and, and ask him, you know, what he had for dinner. And, you know, just, it's, it's a very interactive, uh, everyone's on a level playing field and, what's not to love about ping pong? Everybody can play at no matter what level you're at. It's fun. Uh, the event is, you know, open bar. We've got catered buffet. It's, you know, again, and, and everyone leaves feeling even better about it with a smile on their face when they know that they've supported uh, good causes. Absolutely. Dominic, I cannot wait to see you Thursday night. I was upset last year. There was nothing, you know, because of COVID <laughs> and, and the fact that this year it, it's right here in our backyard. Uh, Mike and Peace, our board op, and I are, are going to be there and look forward to it. Um, thanks so much for your time tonight and um, throughout the years as well. Thanks more importantly for all the amazing work you do with your charities. Well, thanks. You guys have been tremendous supporters of, of what we do for a long time. And so I'm excited to see you on Thursday night as well. So thanks for having me. You got it. I will definitely see you there Thursday. Dominic Moore, former NHL player, current analyst for ESPN and the founder of Smash Fest.